Welcome back to Split Decision, your weekly podcast for everything UFC. This week on episode 8, we're going to be recapping UFC Nashville. We're going to give you a preview for UFC Vegas 78. From there, we're going to go on to our top 5 riskiest gambles and finish everything up with MMA news. So let's go! Alright, so let's start with recapping UFC Nashville from this past weekend. Uh, main event, Corey Sanhagen, Rob Font. This was a Corey Sanhagen domination, kind of, but it was not the domination, the kind of domination we expected. Corey Sanhagen came in, he's known as a uh, creative and elite striker. And he came in and he, uh, for lack of a better term, kind of wrestle fucked Rob Font. Yeah, I always like that term, wrestle fuck. My mom said we need to stop using it. I'll say that. I respect your mom, but that kind of makes me want to use it more. Yeah, I told her, but there's no chance. So anyway, uh, he did. He absolutely dominated this fight. Um, I think he proved here that he can wrestle with the best of them in the division. But if you know anything about Sanhagen, we both do, we've also seen that he he's smart. You know, he thinks about... He thinks about what he's going into he's very, when he fights. He's very intentional, and he's very cerebral. Right. Now, this was a kind of short-notice replacement. You know, he was supposed to face Omar Nurmagomedov. Um, so, I, I totally appreciate him coming you into can, the fight. With, you can tell he was prepared for an elite wrestler. Right. That's what, that's what I'm saying. I, I, everybody's talking shit. I... I appreciate that. I fight. respect it because it's like I got another level to my game. Y'all already know what else I can do. I have another level to my game, and it kind of makes you future opponents. I mean, that's got to be in your mind that this dude. You can't if you're Aljo or Henry Cejudo, and you fight Sanhagen, you don't necessarily just go out there and dominate him on the ground. Right. You can't count his wrestling. If out If you're a guy it. that isn't good at wrestling, now if you fight Sanhagen, you're like, all right, this dude can just take me down. Right. So. Honestly, I'm very impressed with Sanhagen. I know he got a lot of slack for it, but I think his stock only went up. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, he won this fight 50-45 to 45 by unanimous, unanimous decision, but he won that with identical scorecards, 50-45. to 45. That's scoring every single round in his favor. By all three judges. By all three judges. That shows you what a dominant performance it was, and I think we see a title shot in Sanhagen's future. I also love that he... Dominated and frustrated Rob Font so much. I think it was in like the fourth round. Rob Font tried to become a wrestler and tried to take him down, do his own game. Yeah. And Corey Sanhagen just kind of stuffed it pretty easily and was just like, nah, this is what I'm doing to you. So overall, just a great, a dominant performance from Sanhagen. I agree with you. I think uh, uh, he should probably fight for the title next, winner of Aljo, uh, Sean O'Malley. In our co-main event, there was a strawweight bout featuring Tatiana Suarez and Jessica Andrade. Now, after almost a three-year hiatus, uh, Tatiana Suarez came back in February, securing a rear naked choke in the second round. Uh, a gilly. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, second round gilly. And she did the same in this. So that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, repeat performance in this time against a, a uh, bigger name. Yeah, Andrade, even though she's kind of lost, well, now three in a row, she came into the fight losing two in a row. 
Um, you know, it's kind of up up in the air what Andrade's going to do. She's three obviously straight, not ready to retire, but this is three straight losses. All three, three straight finishes. Yeah, all three finishes, too. This so, is her, her fourth fight in this year, though, so she might just need to take six months, eight months off. Work on her OnlyFans. Kind of regroup. Don't worry. Stop the OnlyFans. Yeah, I don't ever want to see that heinous crime against humanity again. But uh, Suarez, this was another impressive performance from her. She still kind of reestablished herself as one of the best uh, women 115 fighters. Yeah, uh, I agree. Honestly, moving her to a perfect 10-0 and 0 after, you know, finishing Andrade, I think it shows in this division that she's she's here to compete. You know, she's not going away. Yeah, she's right at the top of the division right now. I think she probably has, like, one, maybe two fights, and then she gets a title shot. And I honestly... Yeah, I mean, she might her, be favored to beat anybody in the division. Look, with her size... She's bigger than most most women at straw weight. With her size, I think she can definitely, you know, pour on those extra punches. And with her with her grappling prowess as well. Yeah, solid ground game. I mean, has power on the feet too. So it's like sky's the limit. She's very well rounded. I think in the next, you know what? Mark this for me. The next twelve to eighteen months, we see Tatiana Suarez, UFC champion of the straw weight division. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree with that. I wouldn't be opposed to that prediction either. All right, so the third fight we're going to cover from UFC Nashville, Dustin Jacoby, Kennedy, and Zechikubu. Sorry if I got that wrong. That's pretty good. Um, this fight did not go how I expected. What do you think about this fight? Well, I think it went how I expected. Uh, Dustin Jacoby knocked Kennedy and Zechikubu out uh, just under 90 seconds into the fight. Yeah, I mean, Kennedy came in, he had three straight wins, all of them finishes, so I thought he was going to continue that. Kind of Jacob- coupled with Jacoby's two losses, I'm sorry if you were about to say yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I was about to say, and Jacoby came in with two losses, so I thought it was two careers heading in different uh, directions, but man, Jacoby, what a, this is a good performance from Jacoby. Yeah, Kennedy really, it, it you know, I, I picked Jacoby for the fight, but and you had Kennedy, but with Kennedy walking out with Kind of that, that prowess, that power up front. He walked out kind of fast and then just got caught nearly, I mean, almost immediately. Well, it kind of shows you at the at these big weight classes, they fought at light heavyweight 205. Like, you can be the, I'm not going to say he's a better fighter, but like, you can't mess around. Kind of like hit, on paper, you could be the better fighter. Exactly. Kind of on paper, you can be the better fighter. You can have everything going your way. But if you, one second of you being reckless, these guys can, they can hurt you. Right, I mean, Any we, of the guys can hurt you if they if they touch you. Right, yeah. I mean, and that's kind of what happened here in Jacoby. What a performance from him. Honestly, may have saved his UFC career. Three straight losses a lot of times. Yeah, the only people I know who can who can go more than three straight losses is somebody like Tony Ferguson. Yeah, you have to have something established already to survive three straight losses. Uh, so, good win from Jacoby. Very impressive. Uh, ended his two-fight losing streak and also ended Kennedy's three-strike three-fight winning streak. So, just goes to show you, can't ever count count anybody out. In a featherweight matchup, Diego Lopez fought Gavin Tucker in what I could assume would be a fight between a bad tattoo and a bad nickname. Governor versus the, uh, what does his tattoo say? Man, it's something about believe, but it's, it's like, not even about the message. It's about the font. Yeah, the font. It's like a weird, like, horror movie font. Right, it's like a low-budget horror flick. It's such a bad font, it's hard to read what it actually says. Yeah. Like, you have to concentrate. I'm sorry to, to kind of push, you know, my thoughts on that for it, but this, either way, was a quick bout. 
Uh, Diego Lopez versus Gavin Tucker really showed the beginning of the first round. Uh, Gavin Tucker shooting a takedown. Diego Lopez countering said takedown, grabbing an arm triangle, and finishing it just over 90 seconds into the first. Yeah, and this was Lopez. It was an impressive performance. His first UFC victory, so that's got to be sweet for him. He's only 28. Um, this was Tucker's first fight in over two years. And, you know, I don't want to be mean, but it kind of looked like it. Uh, he just lost to the younger, fresher guy, it, it seemed like, watching that. Uh, this is a nice win for Lopez. Like I said, his first UFC win, so it kind of establishes him in the UFC. He can move on from here, um, despite the horrible tattoo. I'm not sure where Tucker goes from here. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the, they had a brief halt due to a low, low blow. But from there, I, honestly, that's what made the fight go longer. If Tucker would have shot earlier, I think Lopez would have gotten the the triangle earlier. What's tough for Tucker is his fight in March of 2021, his last fight before this, he got KO'd in 22 seconds. And then he comes and loses his first round submission in this. That's just tough. You know, I, I'm, that's why I said I'm not sure where he goes from here. Because this is only his third career loss. Well, I'm sure the governor will find a way. Alright, so the next fight on the card was Tanner Bozer, the bulldozer, versus Alexa Kamur. Both guys came in with two fight losing streaks. You got to think that's why these matchups are made, right? Kind of no, this is actually who... good matchmaking because it's kind of like who's not, who are we not going to pay anymore? Who do we need to kick out of the roster? Oh, uh, Tanner Boser. This was an impressive performance from him, though. He came in, like I said, two fight losing streak. He righted his wrong. He kind of stabilized his career. He had a unanimous decision win in this. Kamur. Uh, this was his first fight since June of 21, so this is another fighter that had a very long two-plus-year layoff, and it kind of looked like it, honestly. Uh, yeah, a little rusty. A little rusty. He was fighting an older guy, Bozer, and Bozer just he looked like the better fighter. This is three straight losses for Kamur now after starting his career 6-0, and so he's 6-3. and So his confidence has got to be hurting right now. I'm not sure where he goes from here, but Bozer, this was a much-needed win. Right, I agree. Uh, a definite dominant performance from Bozer. He let out in all three rounds, giving a continuous attack, stopping Kamur's counters, you know, consistently landing, you know, uh, body shots, punches, elbows. He really did everything it took to, to truly win this fight. Like you said, 30-27, all three judges scorecards. He won by unanimous, unanimous decision. I mean, this was a really good fight, especially with career's you know, potentially going in two different ways. You know, Kamur could be losing his spot on the UFC roster. It was almost a fight of who wants to stay in the UFC. And and Bozer could be gaining his, you know, at least, not not his next contract, but gaining his next ability to fight on the UFC card. Uh, it, it really showed, you know, Bozer's attention to trying to work on it. Uh, he did, you know, face some adversity, you know, throughout his career. He got beat bad the last two fights out. Uh, so it, it's good to see a guy coming coming up from that. Yes, yeah, so a solid win from Bozer. Good way to kind of uh, put the brakes on the losing streak. Kind of get stability back in your career. Ignacio Bahamondes versus Ludovic Klein was the first fight of the main card of USC Nashville. Uh, beginning of the fight, Klein wobbled Bahamondes. 
forcing a lot of defense. And I think that spot in the entire fight was what lost Bahamondez's momentum from the last three. Yeah, sometimes you get wobbled. I mean, we're not fighters. I would, dude, I'd get wobbled if a fighter looked at me. I could only imagine you get wobbled early. That's going to affect you the rest of the fight. And listen, Klein, he played smart from there. He leaned heavily on his abilities here. He got a takedown in every round. He forced control. He got, you know, top guard. He got damage while on the ground. Like we said about Corey Sanhagen having a very smart, cerebral, deliberate uh, plan. It seemed like Klein had that too in this fight. Very smart fight. Very, uh, he came out to win. He had a game plan. He followed it. Overall, just a very impressive performance from Klein. This improves him to four straight fights without a loss. He so does have what, a draw in there. So three I was going to win- say, what, three wins, one draw? Three wins, one draw, but regardless, that's a, you know, that's four straight fights without a loss. Hey, I got a draw in the bets. We're counting that for me. We got to yeah, count it for him. That, that ends Bahamondes' three-fight winning streak. Uh, so it was two guys kind of hot coming in, and it was a very – makes Klein's uh, performance even more impressive. Yeah, he really showcased his skills. Um, despite a late knee bar attempt from Bahamondes, Klein won with a really truly dominant performance, unanimous decision. The judges' scorecards were 30-27, 29-28, and 29-28. I think that's wholeheartedly deserved. I agree. Uh, and Klein also – we didn't even talk about this – he was, he's 5'8", Bahamandez 6'1". So there was a huge height and reach advantage for Bahamandez. And Klein still, I guess that kind of plays into why he took him down and chose the ground game. It's like, a smart game plan coming in, and it, it really shows that, you know, even if you're, you're not as big as the next guy, it, that's why weight classes exist. All right, to kick off a little recap of uh, last week's picks and bets. I had a pretty good week. Christian, what would you do uh, overall? Not not revealing too much information, but just how are you feeling? Uh, what are you talking picks or bets? Just overall, what's your emotion? Um, it was a tough card. A lot of fighters we're not 100% familiar with. I I was all right. I started off very bad. I think I started off 1-3 on the card. Won the last two uh, fights with San Hagen and Suarez. So I kind of saved it at 3-3 three and three with my picks. Went 2-1 and one on bets. Uh, had the Bozer money line correct, Tanner Bozer. I had the under uh, Kennedy versus Jacoby. Now, I picked Kennedy in the fight, but the bet was the under, and the under hit with Jacoby winning. Yeah, I think he won. What did we say earlier? Uh, won in like a minute and yeah. 30, so 90 seconds, that, something like that. And then the one bet I got wrong was, uh, was the Tucker money line, the Gavin Tucker money line who lost to Diego Lopez. Oh, nice. So 2-1 uh, bets. Three and three picks. Bets I'm not mad about. I'll take that every week. Picks, I wish I did better. Yeah, that's fair. Honestly, you still did 50% for picks. You know, so Yeah, it's, 50% ain't shit, though. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I mean, look at Bucky. He's, uh, he's negative right now. We're it was gonna, one and three, so, you know. We're going to put him back in a commission uh, for, the uh, I think, UFC 292. Uh, Trying to give him a break. Go back into some picks there. Let him regroup, do a little homework. Right. I keep trying to get that little shit to watch some videos, and he won't. Maybe one day we'll get uh, get my baby to make a pick or something once he can start moving around. Once he can hold his head up. So, uh, for well, me... How do you do bets and picks? For me this week, uh, bets... I, honestly, it's kind of like usual. 
for bets. I did two and one. I got Klein versus Bahamandez. You're kind over. of Mister Two and One, huh? You seem to go two and one a lot. So I've uh, I've gone two and one every week, but one week. Uh, the only week I didn't go two and one was when I refused to pick a replacement bet for a canceled fight. Well, no, that was a uh, eye poke. Was a no contest. Oh, you're that right. Was that you're Justin right. Justin Tafa Austin Lane fight. Sorry, I've had a bit of a run here where I've uh, where I've just so happened to put bets on fights that have been canceled almost every week when we've been doing it. Uh, but I got Klein versus Bahamandez over. I got Dustin Jacoby money line. Uh, my only loss for the bets were Andrade versus Suarez over, where uh, second round rear naked choke or second round guillotine ended that fight. Uh, but overall, overall, it was good for me. I went two and one on bets. I went five and one on picks, only getting the first uh, fight of the uh, entire main card wrong. Yeah, so you did you did awesome on picks. Um, so for bets, that moves Christian to fourteen and seven. Fourteen right, seven wrong at sixty-seven percent. So I mean, that's pretty much averaging two and one every week. Yeah, you're calling me two and one, but you were actually Mister Two and One. Uh, I'm slightly worse because I did have the eye poke no contest. Twelve and eight and one gives me a sixty percent win percentage. I'm still hoping for my three and zero week to come soon, and uh, you know, kind of raise that a little bit. But for picks, Christian, you're still looking pretty good. Twenty eight and twenty for a fifty eight percent win percentage. I'm six six behind you though. I've been on fire recently, brother. I did five and one this week, six and two last week. I'm thirty-four and fourteen, hitting at seventy percent on all picks across the board. I admit it's pretty good, but I'm a humble guy, so I'm gonna just keep rocking and rolling with my research, with my picks as they go. So humble. Okay, so let's move on to our preview of UFC Vegas 78 this weekend. Uh, we're going to take a look at the full main card, go over each fight, give our picks, give our bets. The first fight we're going to take a look at, Josh Fremd versus Jamie Pickett. Josh Fremd comes in with a 10-4 record overall. He is 1-2 and two in the UFC, but in his last fight in uh, March, he got his first UFC win. Jamie Pickett comes in. He has fought a few times in the UFC, but he's 2-5 and five in the UFC with three straight losses. His last loss, I'm sure we all remember, was Bo Nickel's official UFC debut where Bo Nickel beat him pretty quickly in the first round. Uh, Pickett is 13-9 overall, so he doesn't have a great record. How do you think this fight goes, Alex? So honestly, for this one, <clears throat> Frim being a major favorite, you know, minus 320 on the card, He's got four KOs, four submissions, two decision victories compared to uh, Pickett's nine KOs, four decisions. I think, honestly, he's a more well-rounded fighter here. I think he's going to uh, not piece him up. I don't think it's going to be a dominant, dominant performance in the, in the terms of, like, Pickett's not going to be able to do anything. But I think uh, Josh Fremd is going to definitely come back from uh, his couple losses against Gore. Yeah, but he won his last fight. He had a yeah. He uh, did win against Dumas. You're right. He he did win, and I think that's kind of why he's on his comeback. I think with that, you know, he has options to win. I think he's a better fighter overall. He came in. He started his UFC tough. Two straight losses. 
after coming in the UFC at 10-2 and two is always tough. But as you said, as we both said, his last fight got the guillotine win in the second round. Uh, given that Pickett has lost four times by submission, I Fremp think I pick is a submission. Here. He can knock you out. He can submission. He can submit you. Go to decision. I think Frem gets a submission win in this. I think it's probably in like the second round. I think he does that again. But I agree with you. My pick for this fight is Josh Frem. He is a big, big favorite. Minus, not maybe not big, big, but he's a big favorite. Big enough. Minus three forty, uh, money line. Jamie Pickett, uh, plus two sixty five. So I got Josh Frem winning the fight. And another fight with fighters either going in the same direction, or one fighter looking for a big come up. We have AJ Dobson versus Tafon Dadan and Chikui. Um. So Dobson really impressed in the contender series with his round one uh, victory. But he just hasn't won in the UFC at all, actually. Uh, and we were talking, you know, before recording, one of the only ways to get a contract from the Contender Series is to, you know, do something crazy. Get a first good round, knockout. finish his help. And he right. got a first round uh, rear naked choke. So that's why he got signed. But as you said, he's 0-2 in the UFC. He hasn't won yet. So both uh, guys here just... Really look to right the ship. Right? He's never been AJ Dobson has never been finished. Uh, before he got to the UFC, he was known as like a first, and including in the contender series, he was finishing guys first round. Since then, he's had two decision losses. Uh, the Don, he comes in two and three in the UFC. He's also lost two in a row, three out of his last four. His last two losses, he's been KO'd twice, too. So that's concerning. And, and he hasn't been able to get a finish in the UFC. That was actually what I was about to, to touch on. Dadon has only won in the UFC by decision. So with kind of all of that, you know, he's going to face some adversity here. He is listed as the, as the favorite. And I do believe that I'm actually going to lock in Tafan Chikui as my uh, pick and my first bet of the night. See, I'm actually, I, I'm going opposite of you. I'm taking A.J. Dobson. I think he's going to come out, get the win, and I'm actually taking my first bet of the night, A.J. Dobson money line. Oh, so we'll actually be clashing here. So nobody's going perfect this week. Well, we could still go perfect. We can't both go perfect. Oh, that's true. Fair enough. All right, so the next fight we're going to cover from UFC Vegas 78, Pollyanna Vienna, Yasmin Lucindo. Lucindo comes in a minus 190 favorite compared to Pollyanna, a uh, plus 160 underdog. 13 and 5 for Pollyanna, 14 and 5 for Lucindo. Uh, Lucindo comes in 1 and 1 in the UFC. Both of them are 500 fighters. Pollyanna, 4 and 4 in the UFC, but she has won 3 out of her last 4. And I will say, for Pollyanna specifically, out of her last 4, her only loss is to Tabitha Ritchie. So. Do we both. Admire. Love. love. I'll, I'll, I'll go as far as to say as love. We both love Baby Shark. Uh, Pollyanna, do, 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 she do, do, does. Do, 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 do. Sorry. She has a lot in her career, a lot of armbar finishes. She's, She's lost a couple lost. time by the armbar. So watch out for the armbar in this fight. Oh, So what do you think is actually going to happen here? I think Lucindo is going to win by decision. I think both are probably pretty equal on the ground. Uh, I think Lucinda's going to hit her a little bit more on the feet. So I'm going to take 
in the battle of the two Brazilian female fighters, I'm going to take Lucindo. I will point out there's a big age gap between these two. Uh, Yasmin Lucindo, 21. Pollyanna is 31. All right. Well, listen. Regardless of anything you just said, my second bet of the night is actually the over on this fight. I think uh, this one's actually going to go to the distance. I think well, I agreed with that. I thought that too. I, thought, I think Lucinda wins by decision. Right, but my pick is the differ. Sorry, I was just trying to say my second bet and then go with the pick after. So I guess to differ, uh, my pick is Pollyanna Viana. But my second bet of the night, which to, I guess, agree with you, if you want to be all PC... Uh, I'm going to say Viana Lucindo over, but Viana wins because you're not going to beat me. I have one more thing to throw out there that's going to make us both feel old. I mentioned Lucindo is 21. She was born in 2002. All right, well, I got to quit this podcast now. Just kidding. And now debuting in light heavyweight, we have Chris Dukaus versus Khalil the Warhorse Roundtree. Uh, Kirill Roundtree here looks to add to his win streak after defeating Dustin Jacoby, who just went well, won last weekend. Uh, he beat him by split decision. And he's won three in a row. I don't think we can expect a single submission attempt on this entire fight, seeing as neither one of these guys have either... I agree with that, but I also don't think this fight goes to the scorecard because neither of these guys are real big decision fighters either. These guys go in there and swing. Right. So, one weird fact for Chris Dukaus is he's been KO'd each of his last three times out. That's kind of leaning me to... Those were at heavyweight, though, so you got to give him that. He is moving down, so we'll see how he fights. I agree. And honestly, those three losses, uh, Rosenstrike, Curtis Blades, and Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. So, it's like, those are three pretty big dudes. Correct, but, but in the same token, I'm not willing to change like my entire, you know, thought process on this guy. I agree. I'm gonna pick Khalil Roundtree as uh, just my pick of the night. No bets, nothing fancy. Khalil Roundtree to win the fight. I agree with you. I'm picking Roundtree, and my second bet of the night. The odds aren't out yet, but this is my second bet. I have Roundtree winning by KO. Oh, so, so definitely no submission attempts here. Definitely no submissions, as you said. I also don't think it goes to the scorecard. I'm taking Khalil Roundtree, KO, locking it as my second bet of the night. All right, so let's jump to the co-main event of the evening. Killer Cub Swanson, the 39-year-old vet, versus Mean Hakeem Dawoodoo. How do you say his last name? Dawoodoo? Dawoodoo. I think it's Dawoodoo. Let's go with that. Uh, Hakeem comes in 13-3, and three, one draw. He has lost two out of his last three. Cub Swanson also lost two out of his last three. He is a UFC veteran. I don't want to say well past his prime, but well past his prime. I was going to say a wily vet. A wily vet. Uh, he's seven years older than uh, Hakeem. 39 compared to 32. The American versus the Canadian. How do you see this fight going? Did you say both fighters are coming off a loss? Both fighters coming off a loss. Both have lost two out of the last three as well. Right. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's both guys trying to right the ship. You know, Cub trying to do it towards the end of his career. 
I you feel know, like Cub is one good win away from retiring. I feel like that's what he's waiting for. That kind of sucks, man. I mean, to just go out there hunting for a win. It's a so dangerous you can game leave. to play. Not everybody can end their career like Robbie Lawler or Donald Cerrone. There, there's a bunch. But um, on this fight, honestly, I think either guy could win. You know, Cub Swanson's a wily vet that always finds a way, or at least historically has always found a way. Uh, Dewadu is going down to featherweight here, so I think he's going to add a little bit of power, uh, which might lean him towards a little KO ability, if you will. Uh, and he's he's you know he's never really focused on submission. He's been focused on the KO decision route. You know, obviously nobody focuses on a, focuses on a decision, but it's obvious that he's been focusing on the KO. He's gone about fifty fifty. He's gone seven KOs, six decisions in that time. Honestly, I think Hakeem Dewadu is going to win the fight. I don't think Cub Killer Swanson gets his swan song into the sunset this time. I like that. I think it's Killer Cub. I'm, I don't think it's Cub Killer. I know. I just I, I had to go. I couldn't pause. Otherwise, it was going to sound worse. <laughs> One interesting thing is in his last four fights, Cub has not gone to the scorecards, while Hakeem has gone to the scorecards in his last five fights. So that's something interesting. interesting I'll be about the fight. in a higher weight class for Hakeem. I'm also going with Hakeem. I'm going with me and Hakeem. I think he, uh, you know, I think youth just wins. Uh, I think he's the fresher fighter. I'm going with Hakeem. And in the famous words of Bruce Buffer, we're going to go on to the main event. I've never heard him say we're going to go on to the main event. Yeah, but we're going to go on to the time. main event. All right. We're going to restart that. And now onto the main event. We got Vicente Luque, the silent assassin. I was about to say, that's a cool, I like that nickname. That is a pretty cool one. Uh, versus Rafael, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Okay, I just made that up. Sorry. Rafael Dos Anjos. Uh, so Vicente Luque comes in here with a record of 21 and 9, 11 KOs, 8 submissions, 2 decisions. Uh, one KO loss, two submission losses, and six de- decision losses uh, with one draw. Also featuring a recent brain bleed to Jeff Neal. Yeah, he's lost his last two fights. And his last win was not was August of 21. So it's been exactly two years, which is hard to believe. Uh, so it's been a little while for Vicente. Uh, while RDA comes in, he's won three out of his last four. He's... A five-round vet. Most of his last probably like ten fights have been five rounds. He's been a main event guy. Uh, so he's used to going the uh, the five-round, the longer fights. So I think stamina is going to play a huge factor in this fight. And I think that's going to favor RDA. Yeah. I don't agree with you. Well, I mean, it's a very valid point. Um, Luque hasn't, you know, hasn't been in a whole bunch of main events in the past couple of years. Uh, I mean, going two rounds. RDA like, has a whole bunch of stamina. You're right. Yeah. I, I just don't think it comes to that. I think we take, uh, Vicente Luque as the winner here. I don't think it takes nearly that much to finish RDA. Uh, I think the camp is going to be better for Luque. And I, honestly, my, my last bet of the night, I know it's the main card, so I kind of had to place it at some point. My last bet of the night's Luke Moneyline. See, we are way off on this one. I'm taking RDA. I think RDA kind of schools Luke. Um, 
like I said, Luke hasn't won in two years. Brain bleed from his last fight. You know, I'm not sure if he should even still be out there. RDA, he's an older guy, but he's won three out of his last four. Uh, his only loss was a fifth round loss. So I mean, he lasted four, four plus rounds. I think RDA goes out there. I think he gets the win. I think it's a decision win. And my last bet of the night is RDA money line. So we are opposite two bets this week, which is interesting. I think that's the first time that's happened. Yeah, we. Seeing as we don't talk about it, you know, beforehand, I, I like, I like going against you. I never want you to lose any money. But in this case, I uh, want you to lose money. Yeah, honestly, I think you're gonna go down as quick as Dos Anjos does. Yeah, because Vicente Luque does that all the time. So let's move on to our top five of the week. Why are you screaming, brother? We're keeping with the themes. And this week, this was a hard one to pick because it's Vegas, UFC Vegas 78 Apex card. Yeah, so it's so kind of hard to pick like a theme. Yeah, it's almost like there's been 78, 77 before this one. But we figured it out. So we're going to go top five riskiest gamble slash bets. And again, just like last week, we're leaving this wide open so we can go any kind of way. And I think we got, we pretty much covered all bases. I like mine. I don't really care about yours. So let's start off with number five. Alex, what is your number five riskiest gamble slash bet? So I don't know how to word this like in the shortest way possible for a graphic. Y'all better buckle in, folks. It's going to be a while. As uh, Caitlyn Jenner would say, buckle up, buckaroo. Uh, my number five is if you're at a roulette table and you're just betting on a solid number. You know, if you go to, so picture you go to roulette table and you bet on 15. While I agree, I agree with your pick. It's a good pick. How in any way is that hard to explain? No, I'm saying for a graphic, like wording wise, like the amount of words we have. It's not hard roulette to explain. Number. Oh, yeah, there you go. Well, I'm dumb. What's your number five? <laughs> My number five, so this one I got I to gotta set a setting. I got to give you a setting. Oh, and I'm dumb. Okay. Well, listen to my, yeah, mister, I don't know how to explain roulette number. My number five is picture you're, you're in high school, college. You have an assignment or a test the next day. I've it's, been there. It's about 8 o'clock. P.M. or A.M.? 8 o'clock P.M. Okay. And you know you have this test, 10 A.M., project due the next day. More test. All right. You convince yourself at 8 P.M., I'm going to stay up tonight, do my own thing, have fun. Not necessarily go out or anything, but just like watch TV, not study. Well, that is an age-old mistake, sir. And I'm going to wake up at 6 A.M. tomorrow, and I'm going to study, and I'm going to cram. It never works out. It rarely works out because it is a gamble because there is a – you do have that one or two times it works out, so it gives you the confidence to keep doing it. More That's times fair. than not, it does not work out. So that was my number five. I think it's something – if you went to college kind of half-assed like most people do in America, I think that's a very relatable thing. Yeah, that, that's a solid uh, – what, what do you call that exactly? I would say uh, the biggest – 
so my number five gamble, riskiest gamble, is waking up to do to study, La- like slash procrastinate, last minute studying, L- last minute studying. Okay, yeah, I-, I like that as a number five. What do you have for number four? So my number four, and I think this plays kind of very well into recent times, especially. I guess it can only play into recent times, as seeing as it hasn't existed until recently. Uh, is cryptocurrency. Ooh, that is a good one. I think it's a super risky gamble because, well, number one, it's not even real. It's not real. It's all uh, about it's like, timing. It's essentially like, I don't, is it software? Is it is it if you can just get a faster computer than the next guy, you're a millionaire? I, understand, I don't know. I understand the concept of, of a decentralized currency, but in but practice, the way they mine it doesn't it, work. It, yeah, I, I just don't get it. So my number four is cryptocurrency. That's a good one because it's a good gamble because it could work out for you. It's all about timing, but more times than not, you just end up losing money. What's your number four? My number four, so I went back and forth with this. My number four is lying on your resume. Can that actually be found out? So I'm not talking about lying as in uh, like saying you have a degree or not. I'm talking about more skills. Like you put... Our, Resume slash job application. Well, I'm proficient. I'm very good in Excel. And then you get there first day, and they're asking you to do some complicated Excel worksheet, and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Okay. So Excel, coding, anything like that, lying on your resume about your skills, that could get you Okay, while I bad back first you, impression. While I actually back you up on that being a solid like pick, the example you gave is, is more or less piss poor. In my opinion, I think for specifically Excel, every single thing is Googleable. While I'll agree, but, but coding you still have to know how to such. use Excel to put the the Google information to use. You're right. You're right. Now uh, you did back it with coding and, and you know more more in depth stuff. Yeah, I know how to. I know Java, and they're like, okay, write some code, and you're like, oh shit. Oh well, you about that. actually write code. Yeah, exactly. You have to like be like you have C plus plus. I was about to say you have to get him some C plus plus shit. So I like that. Uh, how would you how would you say that? It's uh, what'd you say again? I said lying on your resume slash job application. Yeah, I like that. Now I wonder if if you change what your degree is, if that's as big of a deal as what you just said. You know, like say you have a. Uh, degree in marketing and you just change it to a degree in management or something like does it really matter i think there's a way from the find out but i don't think most companies would i think it would matter on like a but i do think centralized job like a doctor lawyer something where like the degree matters professional degree but i do think you could probably get away with it but if you ever did get caught you'd probably be fired automatically depending on the work you do Agreed. What do you have for number three? So my number three is, I think it's the the end-all, be-all of a casual better. My number three is parlays. Ooh. ooh so ooh, ooh. I'm a, I'm a, I consider myself a solid gambler. I think anybody who ever gambles considers themselves a solid gambler. That's you know, the you're, problem. You're not going to gamble if you're bad at it in your mind. Uh, but but I think that, you know, in, in all betting advice, they say don't go with parlays. You know, bet it straight up. You're not a real better if you do parlays. Right. And that holds true. I would much rather 
place two bets at half, you know, if I'm placing a $10 total bet, I would rather place $5 on each leg of that parlay and have the opportunity to, to maybe go even or win both then potentially be left with the fact that, oh, when one leg doesn't hit, I lose it all. So your pick is what, parlays? Parlays is a risk. Now, my number three riskiest gamble. I like that. So my number three, this is one It speaks to, both me and you have car sales experience, so it speaks to, I think this is really like a salesman experience. But any job where you go out for lunch, it could happen. My number three is... Drinking at lunch while you're on the job. Oh, you're talking about a food hoon. So I'm talking about you got an hour lunch break. I'm going to go to the the Chili's. You go to right the walk-ons. You go to the Twin Peaks. You grab a couple, sit at the bar. A couple gonna, draft beers at lunch. A couple draft beers with a burger and fries. Mm. You're feeling great. And there's that point, you're about 45 minutes in, you're about to have to leave, where you contemplate risking it all and just being like, fuck this place. I think everybody, most people don't do it, but everybody knows that feeling of like, I'm not going back. So I think that's the gamble in and of itself, plus the fact that you could get caught, where they could smell alcohol in your breath, somebody could see you drinking beer at lunch. Uh, but I think it's a good gamble because the reward is great. The punishment, if you get caught, could also be great. Right, it's, it's risky on both ends. It's risky you get caught. It's risky driving back from the restaurant. It's risky going to work for the rest of the day trying to pedal whatever you're pedaling to, to those guys. You're trying to act normal, and there's that first moment... Where you walk back into the office. And you're kind of giggly. Those first like five or ten minutes and you're just like, oh shit. Yeah, you're... I you're, may have... Shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you're, you're on a full rush. No stopping you. But honestly, in that moment, you might be the most dangerous predator in North America. <laughs> what kind of predator are you talking about? Sexual predator. <laughs> oh my goodness. What do you have for your number two? Let's move on from that as quickly as possible. Okay, well, keeping on with the same thing of sexual predators. (laughs) Lord. Deshaun Watson. Right, there we go. Uh, We're going to go with my number two of late night texts. Oh. So we're going to go with the the risky texts. You know, you get a little too drunk. You miss at the bar. You find an ex or an old fling in the phone, and you send what you can send, hoping they respond. And listen, brother, I'm going to say from... First-hand experience, most of the time, they don't even text you back. And that's the worst feeling in the world. The worst feeling is waking up the next day and looking at those and be like, oh, my God. My second, now, my second least, I guess my second best, if you want to consider it this way, is that because of all the failure it ensues, everything's tied to it, there's no escaping a late-night risky text. I like that pick a lot. There was a time in my life when I was probably like 23 to 25 where I would go out, I would drink a little bit too much, and I would text damn near every girl on my phone if I struck out at the bar. At one point in my life, I had uh, there was a description line on the iPhones that I used to use. I would put woman. I'd be able to search woman and just text those. No, I completely in, relate to that. En masse, if you will. 
So my number two, I thought about doing the risky text. I had it on my list at first. I ended up scratching it out. My number two is also a, a risky thing, obviously. We're talking about risky gambles. I would hope it's risky. My number two is a risky fart. A shart? It's one of those where... Or I guess it could be a shart. You don't know if it's a shart or not. Fair enough. You need the fart. You're in a place where you can't go to the bathroom. You got to let it out. I wouldn't even say there's a 50-50 chance. Because it's probably like an 80-20 chance. 80 that it's not a shart. But there's that small, small chance where there could just be a little bit in there. And then you just shit yourself in front of everybody. Honestly, while I don't like a shart, it's not the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I See, will a say, shart is a nightmare for me. I will say the worst thing that I think has happened in recent times is my kid sharted at school. And I had to go pick him up. That just seeing that embarrassment from an outside looking in perspective was almost bad as bad as shitting my own pants. I understand that, but as being somebody that as an adult I've shit my pants multiple times, I'm cool with somebody else shitting their pants and me taking care of them, regardless if it's my kid or not. Yeah, I just felt really bad for it. So who do you have as your number one top five riskiest gamble slash bet? So my riskiest gamble, my riskiest bet. It's going to go back to that age-old gambling saying, the age-old betting saying, as you never bet on your team, right? My oh, riskiest man. bet is I betting on... I want you on... to never bet on my team, though. I want you personally, Alex King, not to bet on my team, but you continue to do so. Right. Uh, I can't help you there. It's all about your team, right? I do have the best baseball team. I'll never majors. bet on the Colts. As as far as I'd never hope you'd bet on the Saints. Uh, yeah, that's, that is the only gambling rule I have, a hard gambling rule. I don't bet on my favorite teams. You never do a uh, parlay. You never do a stat line. You never do anything with your, your team, specifically because your heart is too in. You know too much about your team. The the thrill of the game isn't there. Your well, emotions my is, are too, my too emotions hung are... up on... The Saints are too hung up on the Bucks, too hung up on the Jags, too hung up on the Colts. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you need to bet with your least risky bets. My emotions are too tied, too tied to my favorite team, so I can always convince myself. Because I always like to convince myself they have a chance to win. Oh, they're gonna beat the Chiefs, a hundred percent. They can beat Patrick See, the Mahomes. Saints, the Saints, but I'm bad with LSU football. Right. I pick them like. They're going undeniably. They're going undefeated this year. I believe you, and I'll say that every year. But I won't put money on it. Exactly. So I hundred percent. That's a great pick. A great number one pick. What's my, your number one? My number one pick. I'm gonna go back a little bit in the past again, just as I did before. Picture yourself as a pretty much thirteen till however long you lived with your parents. It's late at night. You're trying to get a little action, if you know what I mean. You're either trying to sneak out of the house or you're sneaking into someone else's house. Man. To not be caught by their parent. So sneaking in or out? Sneaking in or out while a teenager. The reward is, I mean, we all know what the reward is. It's probably the best, as a teenager, it's the best thing you could possibly hope for. Dude, honestly, that, 
the punishment. I've, I've embarrassment. Been I've been caught. Embarrassment. Grounded punishment. I can't imagine. I never got caught, but Dude, I can't listen, imagine. Listen to this. You ready? So, in high school, a girlfriend of mine asked me, texted me late at night. I was at home. Said, hey, can you pick me up from this party? I'm drunk. So a girl you were talking to? I was dating. Okay. That's understandable. Right. Trust. So there was some trust. She said, hey, can you pick me up from this party? Like, sure, got you. Didn't want to ask my dad to leave, you know, after curfew. So I snuck out my window, drove, and this is the God's honest truth. I drove to the party, picked her up, drove her to her home, made sure she was sound in her bed, drove home, walked in my home. My dad was awake on the couch immediately knew I snuck out. So you're trying to be the gentleman and I was got, trying to do the right thing and you I did got, do the right thing and you got I in did trouble. do the right thing and I got burnt hard. You wanna know what else my dad found out that night? After taking my phone? Oh no, this is getting way beyond my top five. <laughs> my dad found out the first time I had ever had sex. It I had was, a similar experience, but it was horrendous. Yeah, it was horrendous. So I wholeheartedly agree that sneaking out, getting caught sneaking in or out, is probably the riskiest gamble, riskiest bet you could make. I I think we both had pretty good number ones, definitely. Man, you just gave me some trauma. <laughs> so we've spoken about it before, and this probably won't be the last time we're going to talk about it. Uh, Musk Zuckerberg made the news again talking about their fight. It's like a 50-50 shot to see if this is actually going to happen. This fight's never going to happen. So Zuck got on threads recently, which is in the middle of a lawsuit for Twitter. Basically so nobody copying saw it their until it got posted thing. to Twitter. Right, because nobody... I'm not getting on threads to have my Instagram deleted once I delete that. I'm good. Nobody's on threads. Uh, so Zuck was asking to confirm the fight for later this month. Um, you know, it may happen. He said he was ready today. Yeah, at, at any point, he said he's ready. But Elon Musk said uh, he needs to have an MRI on his back. He tossed a sumo wrestler. The doctor said he needed a backyotomy. Crushed a couple vertebrae. So he said he might uh, have to have back surgery before they can compete. I think the verdict's completely out on whether or not this fight happens. I'm a big Elon Musk fan, but he's a notorious guy who bites off a little more than he can chew. I don't think this fight's going to happen. Right. I, I agree with you there. But they also said that if the fight does happen, it's going to be streamed on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter. Did you see what Zuck's response was? What's that? Maybe we should put it on something a little more reliable. Ouch. It was, it was honestly a nice burn. And the proceeds are going to go to charity. So if this happens, at least, uh, you know... Somebody will benefit from it. You know, it's not just going to be to make them money. Uh, at least charity in some way, shape, or form will benefit. Whether that be the 30% charities or the charities that actually give back to the causes they claim. Random soapbox. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. Uh, moving directly on to um, the our... I don't know about new, and I don't know about every week, but it's going to be as often as it's needed. 
We're going to go with the UFC roster update. So is this roster fighters dropped added to the UFC roster? Yeah, added and dropped. Um, okay, that makes sense. So first, this is going to be kind of a late add right before UFC Nashville last weekend. Diego Lopez actually got rewarded his contract before the fight. Um, so he'll be continuing on in the featherweight division. Good for him. He's from Brazil. We always love a good Brazilian fighter. There's a bunch Some of, of them the in the UFC. Uh, you know, they just they stand with you know, all the things we hope for in a fighter, the, the class, the poise, grappling, striking, they can do it all. Good to have him here long-term, hopefully. And then from France, we have Morgan Charrier. He's is that a, a dude or a chick? That is a guy in the featherweight division. 18-9-1 added okay. to the card. Um, featherweight as well, so we can expect to see him fight in the next you know, few weeks, a couple months. Coming off his regional circuit, once again, 18-9-1, looking to impress in his first UFC fight coming up. Almost 30 fights coming in the UFC, that's not bad. Right. And then, lastly, for an ad in the UFC, we're going to go with an Italian fighter. Not many of these on the on the fight cards Shout as out of Marvin now. Uh, we're going to go with Manolo Zacchini. I apologize if I got your name wrong, although you probably don't speak English anyway. Uh, you're 11 and three, added in at the lightweight division, so you He's can kind of tell. I was about to say the same thing. At 11 and three from his regional circuit, you can kind of tell he's going to be a killer. Any any guy on the UFC roster at 155 is a monster. Right. We only have one drop I want to talk about this week. It's a uh, local guy from our area, from Lafayette, Louisiana. We have Aaron Phillips, uh, 12 and five professional record. Fighting out of the bantamweight division at 135 pounds. He fights out of head kicks. Louisiana, Lafayette. Uh, he was just dropped from the UFC card. We hope to have him back. Get another hometown hero in the future at the bantamweight card. Maybe he'll make some changes and see what goes on from there. But uh, that pretty much covers our roster updates for this week. I hope to give you a couple more in the future. And we'll see where we go from there. Hey, can we take a little walk down memory lane? Let's take a walk. All right, so two years and one day ago at UFC 265 in nearby Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas, you're right. You know the fight I'm talking H-time, about. H-Time, my hometown. We're talking about Cyril Gon, Cyril Gon versus Derek Lewis. My boy Cyril Gon, the Frenchman. The Cheerio Gon. First, Derek Lewis, Derek Lewis, Derek Black Lewis? Beast, Houstonite, was... Texan, American. This is a big, strange fight for Lewis fans. Obviously, you can Google, see how it went. This is weird because through two rounds, Derek Lewis only sh- really had two significant strikes. It was one of those fights. It was his first, not his first, but it was a big chance for him. And I love Derek Lewis, but it kind of seemed like the moment the pressure and the spotlight may have got to him a little bit, which was unfortunate to see. Uh, Cyril Gaon, honestly, this was a great performance from him. He w- became the first Frenchman to, to hold a belt. win any kind of belt. It was the interim heavyweight belt, but first Frenchman to get a belt. So that in and of itself is impressive and as it, the UFC tries to expand more into Europe. And when Gaon, you know, Gaon beating Lewis in the third round, you know, with a, with a TKO... 
it honestly set him up. I know he went on to lose to uh, the John Jones. John Jones by guillotine this March, like recently, after John Jones' long-awaited return. But it, it set him up as like the only guy that could really, outside of Ngannou, that could compete against John Jones. So it was a really exciting matchup. Uh, Gan fought Ngannou afterwards, lost that fight, then fought John Jones, John Jones lost, that, lost fight. that fight. But we're excited to say, get ready to see Cyril Gan in September of 2023 to get back on track, make a big name for himself. Cyril Gan, look out for him again. All right, so new segment alert. <gasps> I think we both talked about it. We wanted to kind of switch things up. We're not getting rid of who would wins, but we want to kind of rotate some new segments in. So we're going to come up with a new one called Dream Matchups. So what this is going to be is going to be what dream matchup do you have for the UFC? This could be old UFC fighters versus new UFC fighters. This could be non-fighters versus each other. This could be boxers versus each other. Whatever you want. Right. So we want everybody's opinion we want to know who is your dream matchup you can either text that to 337-414-2202 or email it to split decision 2023 at gmail.com or just dm us or dm us on any socials we'll feature this on the pod who is your dream matchup christian so my dream matchup, this is a matchup that is, I guess you would say, of the moment. Probable, maybe, even? Probably, yeah. I mean, there's an offer out there. This weekend, we saw Jake Paul and Nate Diaz box each other. And it kind of went how everybody expected. Jake couldn't get Nate out, but Jake has been a boxer. Nate has been an MMA fighter. So Jake won on the scorecards. Everybody, Which is a fair fight. It was a fair fight. I mean... And it was a good fight. I, 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 I thoroughly enjoyed really it. Complain about it. Everybody wants to see now them go to the octagon. I want to see Nate Diaz, Jake Paul, mostly because I want to see Jake DePaul get get choked out. I don't know if it'll happen simply because Jake knows if he fights Nate, that's the most likely outcome. But that's my dream matchup. I would love to see that fight happen. I wholeheartedly agree. I love that matchup. I liked it as a boxing match. I think I'd like it even more as a MMA battle. Oh, I think it's tons more intriguing as an MMA fight. I don't see that fight going more than two rounds. I mean, and it, honestly, if I hate to say it, if Jake Paul were to show somehow, show beat. up, not even win, if he were to show up and like be a competitive fight you would have to give him his props at that point right i'd be willing to give the guy credit if he'd fight a, a real fighter in that sport stop fighting guys that are not in past their, their prime not in their sports going to a foreign entity to fight is something they've never done before so that's my dream matchup i think you had a dream matchup you uh, wanted to present as well i do and i think this is one that could also happen in the future both guys are you know, of a realistic age. They're in the same weight class. They're not fake. You know, they're real fighters. I think what could happen in the future, and I don't care how it happens, whether it's boxing, MMA, a slap fight, I just want to see these two square off. 
John Jones versus Francis Ngannou. I think that's the fight of the century. I it was supposed to happen. It they was. They kind of fumbled it. Yeah, they, they... John took too long to get the heavyweight. Francis Francis found out he UFC. was worth more. Yeah, honestly, you can't even really blame Francis for it. And I can't blame John either. I mean, he's had a long run of doing drugs, having yeah, fun, hitting his wife. I well, mean... I mean He's, moving as past, you said a couple weeks ago, he's a bad motherfucker. Moving past all that, he's the greatest. Oh, he's had the greatest career in the octagon. And if you're going to move up, I don't blame him for wanting to take his time to move up. So you can't really blame both guys for the fight not happening, but I agree with you. That's the fight everybody wants to see. If that fight happened today, it would be one of the biggest UFC pay-per-views of all time. It would rival a Conor McGregor-Khabib fight. Absolutely. So everybody, let us know in the comments who your dream matchup is. Thanks for listening to episode 8 of Split Decision. Check us out next week when we recap UFC Vegas 78 and take a look ahead at UFC 292 Sean O'Malley versus Aljermaine Sterling for the 135 Bantamweight title. The first alarm clock could only ring at 4 a.m. Like and subscribe to this episode of Split Decision and check us out at splitdecision.blog where you'll find our most recent posts, videos, and all the links to our socials.